You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome into another edition of From the Podium, the podcast where you hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. Chiefs are back on the practice field on Thursday, and we heard from defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, as well as defensive backs coaches Sam Madison and Dave Merritt. And we heard from defensive line coach Brendan Daly and offensive line coach Andy Heck. So we'll go in that order. We'll start things off with Steve Spagnolo, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Then we'll hear from Dave Merritt and Sam Madison, and we'll take a quick timeout. Then when we get back, you'll hear from Brendan Daly and Andy Heck. Here's Steve Spagnolo. I remember last week when I was some one person was talking. I was looking at the wrong person. So I hope I don't do that again today. Um, listen, I'm just going to open it up. Uh, you know, obviously we're on to Washington. Um, and happy to be doing that. We're getting ready to go out here for a Thursday practice. Uh, with that, I'll just open it up. Let you fire away, Coach. Um, you used, obviously you used to be a former head coach. Obviously, you watch the films. You know what they're saying about you on television, on these talk shows, and stuff like that. I don't because I don't I don't watch it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're referring to your What are you seeing, or if you were head coach, what, what are opposing teams seeing on defense or on tape that they're attacking Daniel Sorensen week in and week out? And then secondly, because um, uh, people would love to know, what is he doing special that's different than Ron Thornhill that's allowing him to have more snaps than, than Yeah. Um, first of all, it's it's not about one guy. I mean, you, you started the question with a, it's an overall, we haven't been good. That's a true statement. That's reality. Uh, to focus on one person, I don't think is fair. Um, did Dan had struggle a little bit last week? Yeah. Um, in answer to your question about the more snaps and all that, we take, you know, a, a guy has a starting position. Um, we think he's been doing a good job with that. Uh, sometimes when you have have plays that to the eye of everybody in there look worse than other ones, nobody sees the plays that he's making when you're covering somebody and don't throw it there. That, that's always been the case. So I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but uh, I think Dan's had a lot of good snaps for us. Uh, one will play for us as well. Uh, we'll work through who's playing where, what we're doing package-wise. Uh, I'm not going to go deep into that because we're getting ready to play a team. Uh, I'm not going to tell everybody what we're doing. Uh, but I, I get your question. Um, I don't know if I've answered your question, but uh, I, that's, about, that's about what I would say on that. His name has just been what's coming up on the talk show. Something. Yeah, I got you. But, uh, yeah. but, but to that point, it seems as though at the line of scrimmage, you know, the, the offensive line is, is getting more advantageous against the, you know, against your front seven. Why do you think that is? Uh, there's probably a lot of different reasons for it. Um, you know, we've had, we've had some injuries. We can't we can't blame it on injuries, right? But we're missing one key guy. Um, 
maybe we got to change some things we call or do. We're always looking at that. Uh, and then everybody's got to do their job better, coaches, players. And that's how you try to fix it. Chris, you mentioned changing some things. Two of the three losses have come against guys that you were with in Philadelphia, obviously Harbaugh as well as McDermott. How much does that familiarity, you know, or is that an overrated aspect of, of maybe knowing what your tendencies could be as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, I mean, I, listen, <clears throat> I think if John and Sean were calling the offenses, maybe, uh, will, would they be in there in the weeks, the, the meetings during the week and saying, you know, probably. Uh, I mean, you could flip that and say that, you know, Coach Reed and our offense had secrets. I mean, Leslie Frazier and Sean, they'd do, you know, so I'm not sure. Sometimes I think that's overrated, but um, listen, those teams beat us for things we did or didn't do, uh, and both those guys are good coaches, so. Understanding your, you know, you guys don't use the injury thing as an excuse, just how uh, limited have you guys been able to do to what you want to accomplish based upon some of the defensive line injuries, you know, you get. Uh, Clark back and now Jones is yeah the, the one thing that I would say about that is what's been a little bit and this happens to anybody in this league any unit in this league uh, especially when you start out that way when you can't get a number of games back to back where you've got units intact the continuity is hard because um, there is there is a lot of that I mean units function in this game that we're in units have to function as a unit uh, and, and there's all kinds of feels and natural feels. And when you've played with somebody for a period of snaps, you know, that, that happens. It's been a little bit tough for us that way. Yeah. Is it hard to get pressure in today's league with so many good quarterbacks? How do you find ways to get pressure on the quarterback? Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. And there's teams that um, they make it even tougher with the RPO and the play action and those kinds of things. But, you know, there's been moments there where we've flushed the quarterback out. Like last week, we flushed him out with some pressure, but he makes play. Um, so you're still getting the pressure, but you didn't get something downfield. So it works both ways. We need a, a little bit better, at, a lot better at both or everything. So that's what we're trying to do this week. Do you feel comfortable with uh, the balance of guys holding each other accountable versus guys um, trying to keep the peace? And I mean, if we have no feel for the locker room. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I don't. I, listen, I, that's probably a better question for the the player leadership uh, than me. I mean, I'm I'm around the guys when. We're out on the field and practice, and I think you're probably, you're probably pointing towards something that's not what I'm in the middle of. I mean, our guy, I think our coaches do a great job of keeping players accountable. I think the players are great about accepting or uh, embracing that. Uh, short of that, I'm not really sure. Is, is it a concern of the coordinator ever, though, when things aren't going the way you want them to, that you've got whatever you want to call it, morale, the, the, the sense of, yeah, you got to lean on. Listen, you got to lean on player leadership. I know Coach talks about that all the time, and uh, Coach visits with those guys, and I think he does a great job with it. And you know, I trust the guys that we have. It hasn't worked out that way yet, uh, but you know, you got to get a win here, win two or three or four, you know, to kind of get that feeling again. And that's what we're that's what we're fighting to do. Early assessment of, of Willie Gay. He seemed to play more in the second half. Just. What did he provide and maybe what's next? Yeah, I mean, listen, what, what, what we all see, I mean, Willie can run and he's passionate, you know, and he hits big and he hits and all those things. We're trying to get that in there more and more. But, you know, you were talking about a guy that was away from it from a month, for a month, you know, practiced two, two and a half days or whatever it is or three days. Um, so it's going to take a little while. And we tried to rev him up a little bit more in the second half, and we'll keep trying to do that. Did you guys play with where Tyron Matthews, two plays where Tyron Matthews has his hands up? I wonder if the defense player or just the coach in general, what you think about. I, I'm not sh I don't know the ones you're talking about. I, you'd have to ask him, like, because, I mean, 
you can only perceive what I don't know. You got you'd have to ask him what his. Well, I guess I'm not as much interested in why it happened as much as what you think as a coach seeing seeing that happen. Uh, and then just maybe a guy frustrated that a play happened. Um, listen, Tyron's Tyron's a great leader for us and a guy I lean on. So I don't think I would nitpick him for something like that. Coach, you guys had some success in the third quarter, three straight drives that you got stops. What are some positives you can take out of those three series? Yeah, I mean, it was, I, you know, we had the delay. You know, you never know how you're going to come out of that in the locker room. We were sitting in there for a while. Um, but I thought the way they came out with that intent, the, the adjustments that the, coach, the assistant coaches made at halftime were really good. We changed some things up, made some, a couple of different calls, and it kind of got us going. Uh, and we had a little bit of a rhythm going there until we, and we actually would have had it, continued had the one play not happened and that would have been an interception it's just amazing what would have happened had something not gotten called I mean who knows right who knows but that's that's the league we live in and uh, you got to overcome those kind of plays you said before that specifically that play with, with Chris and the penalty or Frank and the penalty yeah me. is there anything that I mean a player can do differently in a situation like that or it yeah, from my eyes, it didn't appear that way. I don't. I'm not sure what the referee saw. I never. I mean, I, that's Coach Reed's department on getting an explanation. But from what I was looking at, it didn't seem like there was anything different. But I, again, I didn't get what the actual call was. I just know we got called, and I haven't gone back to ask. I haven't gone back to. Ask. It's done. So we can't do anything about it. So. Steve, you said before that uh, sacks aren't the only indicator of a player being effective in you know, pass rush. I'm yeah. just wondering, what, if you grade your defensive line. What, what, you know, yeah, what I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put a grade on it. I mean, our guys are working hard. We all know we need to get better. I mean, that's what I keep coming back to because that's what we've been talking about. We're chasing improvement. We're trusting our way back to improvement. We've been down this road before. Has it been this bad before? I don't think so in the two years we've been here. But we're struggling our way through, and that's what you do. That's what you do in this league. <laughs> Are you um, understanding? Nobody here thinks it's, it's one person, right? Right. Are you any closer, any different feeling on the free safety spot uh, now as before? And we'll see how the week we'll see how the week progresses. Okay. Uh, but we're always looking at that. We've looked at that every week. Um, we're always trying to put people in right spots and get the right players out there. That does that's no different than any Are other. Are there other spots too that you're kind of looking at? Uh, I, you know, off the top of my head, I mean, we'll keep our eye on everything. I mean, yeah. we got guys we need to rotate in there. There's some guys we that are coming off injuries that need to get snaps. There's a lot of moving pieces right now, and that's part of what I was talking about. When, you know, when everybody stays healthy and you got everything's the same week in and week out, they, they, the continuity comes. Sure. We haven't had that yet for a lot of different reasons. Well, you did talk about, you did talk about, you know, trying to work things out to get better. Uh, one of the things that I know we've talked about week in, week out is the tackling, the mistackling. Yeah. I know you can only work on, I guess, tackling once a week. What do you other put on? Obviously, there were some obvious mistackles in Sunday's game when you go back and look at the film. What are you telling your players? What are you trying to coach them, teach them? Yeah, but that's, that's never changes. You know, your point about how many times you can tackle, you don't even really, really tackle during the week, right? But you have the pads on and... I don't know if you're out there in our individual um, yesterday, but that's done every Wednesday. Short of that, it's all about eyes and body position and playing fast and getting more people to the you know population to the football. Those are the things I think all coaches talk about. I mean, our tackling I think had been pretty decent there. There was a it was poor early. There was an uptick of getting good, and then we kind of fell back into what happened last week. So hopefully, it gets turned back around. Okay, well, last Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I mean, we we value. I think every defense values corners, uh, and we value Traverius a lot. Um, 
and we haven't had him. And he's a guy that we've relied on for an extended period of time here. He's been out there. I don't know how many games he's missed. Maybe a couple last year or the year before. But uh, he makes a difference. But the guys that are that are behind him now got to step up and go. That's what we have. That's what we thought that uh, Rashad Fenton made a heck of a play on that interception. Unfortunately, it doesn't go for one. But um, we got to get all those guys out there. Like I said, everybody's got to play better, coach better. Play better, right? We good? All right, thank you. Good afternoon. Hope all is well. Hope everybody's family has remained safe through all of this stuff that we've been encountering and going through. But uh, coming off a tough loss this, this week, and obviously as coaches, you know, we're reevaluating what we do and how we do it. Uh, also, too, our players are taking a, a good look at themselves. But when it's all said and done with, things happen throughout the course of the season. We expect our guys to learn how to persevere through adversity and get back on track. With that said, I'm all ears. We know, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is very special. Paraphrasing here, but Andy and Pat have talked a little bit about maybe being like a little less ambitious when it comes to uh, some of the uh, aggression as far as uh, out of structure and, and whatnot. How do you marry letting him kind of be the special player that he is and also kind of rearing back a little bit? Well, it, it, it's a delicate course that you take. You know, Pat is very aware of the things he's doing and not doing. Uh, so it, he has a great self-awareness of who he is and how to go about things. The thing that I want our guys to do is just relax and understand that, hey, fellas, we're going out here to do what we enjoy doing. Everybody does not have to be the hero each and every week and each and every play. Let's just line up. Let's go out there, be accountable to one another by focusing on the details to help you to be the best player, which is going to help the next man to be the best player that he can be in that pot, in that situation. So that's all. Coach, you talked about you want to preach about uh, preparing your backups to be starters, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You're the one who get a chance to start this Sunday. What are your expectations of him? Are you expecting the same level of production as if Clyde was a little in the ball? Exactly. Clyde, uh, Clyde obviously is. Um, went down on last week, but Daryl has been doing this for a number of years now. He's a very smart and intelligent player. Uh, he's done a lot of great things. Obviously, he hasn't had the opportunity to play as much as everybody would want him to play, but there's a reason why he's here, okay? Just like you said, we always coach our backups to be starters, and we want him to be ready. He's more than ready. This is the, the, the opportunity that he's been waiting for. You never want to jump on an opportunity when players are hurt, but when those opportunities are presented, he will maximize it and go and do the things that we know that he can do. What, you, what you've seen in practice, you don't have any reservation about I don't have. any calls or anything because he's in the game versus calls. I'm sorry, say that one more time. No, I'm saying because because he's going to be starting the game, do you have any reservation from what you've seen in practice over, over the last year? You don't have any worries about the players that you call that might call his number to you know run the ball? or Not, the ball? No reservations at all. None whatsoever. Eric, you said there's a reason he's here. What, what is the reason he's here? What has he done over the last three, four years since he's been here to earn a roster spot without playing a whole lot? Well, well I'll I tell you this. First of all, he's very smart. He has a complete understanding of what we do and how we do it. Okay? On top of that, he's a great locker room guy. He's great for that room. He's a veteran player that gets it. He plays special teams. All right? He does, a, he does a very good job in protection, which he could be a little bit better just by lowering his pad level. That's just the running back coach in me. Uh, <laughs> he's also a consistent runner, and he has good hands out of the backfield. So he does all the things that we ask him to do. On top of that, 
He's a great moral support, okay, in that, in that, uh, in that room. He's a great teammate. Those are the type of people that we want on this team. So when those opportunities present itself, that guy understands what's at stake, and he knows what he needs to do in order to, for us to be successful. Players have their strengths and weaknesses. What, what, with him as your feature back, what maybe do you guys gain having him in there? Well, I, I'll say this: we gain a guy that's been in this league, you know, for a number of years, who's a savvy veteran that has a great understanding of how the game is played. On top of that, now let's not forget about Jared McKinnon. Jared McKinnon is also a player that's been in this league for a number of years as well, and he provides a lot of uh, uh, of tools that that he can present and bring to the table. I know last week he got a number of snaps, and we thought he actually had a heck of a game for the things that we asked him to do. Eric, before the season, you mentioned the fact that you couldn't go for the home run all the time. It seemed like you were anticipating the type of defenses that you were going to be seeing. Is that the case? I mean, what you're seeing is, is what you were expecting in the preseason. Oh, yeah, exactly. And you got to understand, you always take a look at, from the previous season, what were some of the games that that gave you problems. Well, everybody's taking a look at uh, what Tampa Bay did to us in the Super Bowl, okay? And so we put a number of things on tape this, so far this season. So teams are doing that. And the thing that we have to learn to do, <laughs> and I know it sounds so simple, but we have to learn how to continue to be patient, all right? And then on top of that, we got to respect the ball. If we're being patient and we're respecting the ball, we can be as good as we want to on offense. And I think all of you are very aware of the numbers that we've put up on offense. So it's not an effort issue, okay? It's not an execution issue. We just need to make sure that we're focused on the details that are required for us to be the exceptional team that we have been. And that's just focusing on the details and making sure that we're assignment sound when needed to be. And what is sort of the balance between not overhauling everything since it is turnovers that are the disruption? Uh, just because of what you just said, it's just turnovers, you know. And the thing that we do, we do a great job in focusing on that throughout the course of the week. But you never want a guy going into a game feeling cramped or having that, that thought process on his mind. As a former player, I remember certain coaches, well, you can't turn the ball over, you can't turn. You don't want a runner, you don't want a quarterback going into a game, a receiver tight, feeling like they can't do something. You know, you want them to go out and do it. Now, at the end of the day, we're giving them all the physical preparation. They have to be mentally in tune and focused, all right? And they got to have the ability to su uh, sustain that amount of focus throughout the entire season. That's what makes it special, okay? So it's happened. So now, and I said this last, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, if we do this the right way, we can utilize this moment in time as a great, valuable learning lesson because we're being humbled, you know, and we're being humbled a lot of different ways. But it's great for our players right now to go through with us. And from a, a teaching standpoint, no one ever wants to feel, you know, uh, 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 like <laughs> we have felt the uh, times that we have this season. But if we utilize it the right way, we can grow and become better because of it. Eric, what's next for Josh Gordon? Um, if last week was about you know, comfortable with the guys in practice and learning you know, as much as he could from the playbook, what does this week present to sort of progress him in the offense? 
Well, first of all, we thought he did a good job for the things we asked him to do last week. And I think just getting that dirt off his shoulders, <laughs> first time, possibly getting hit, being exposed in a game-type atmosphere, I think all that nervousness has worn off. Now we just got to keep adding to him and making sure he's comfortable with the things that we're asking him to do. But we're getting him in the mix. And the thing is, the kid, and I said this before, the kid is a very, very intelligent kid. He works his tail off out there. He's excited. He wants to contribute. And uh, we're just going to continue to grow with him and keep adding on each and every week to make sure that we're utilizing his ability that he can bring to the table. Post game that uh, he's going to have to reevaluate some things. What is he doing that's so much different than what's you know brought him to this point? Well, like I said, I think more than anything, when we talk about trying to be the hero, you know what I mean. And you got to understand, Pat's a competitive football player. He wants to just rip your soul all the time, and that, and that's what makes him special. But sometimes we just got to know when to say when. You know, when am I doing too much and when? Am I effectively helping us as a team to be better? And so it, it's just managing his emotions and making sure that we're not taking a, a calculated risk when we don't have to. That's all. But the kid, he is who he is. <laughs> we want him to be, we want Pat to be Pat, just like we want all of our guys to allow their personalities to show, okay? We got a great group of guys and they understand exactly they understand exactly what we want from them and they know what is expected of them thanks everybody all right thank, thank you, you. take care due to miscommunication that was shown maybe early in the year or is it the ability to maybe have to cover longer than in previous years um you know good question i could just think that right now there's a lot of guys that's playing with you know poor eye leverage and and just reading your keys and one of the things that I talk about all the time is alignment, technique, keys, and assignment. And so um, when you go into these games and you have a particular alignment that you should be following, um, you have to make sure you do that. And when it comes to your keys, you know, that's the eye discipline. And so that's really um, the issues that has been going on is just some of the eye discipline. Can, can you expand on what you mean by eye level? If I'm looking at you and I'm supposed to be watching you, I got to watch you. I can't all of a sudden go watch someone else. So whether you're coaching Pop Warner, literally your kids in basketball, if that's your man, you teach your kids to cover that guy. You don't turn around and just start looking somewhere else. Oh, there's a bird. Oh, there's a butterfly. No, you cover your guy. That's what I mean. Do you feel like maybe some of those issues arise as, as things don't go well, that sort of compounds itself? Well, it compounds itself when, when you are not winning. Um, but, you know, this is going on my 25th year in the league, and the same things happened in New York. Same thing happened in Arizona when I was coaching there, even as a player. Um, so it happens, and it's just when a quarterback finds the one that all of a sudden the player lost his eyes, that turns out to be, you know, not good for us as Chiefs. So it's, it happens all over the league. You put on the tape, you can go from team to team, and you'll see guys all of a sudden looking at something, the coverage going another way, and the quarterback never finds that player. And so, but um, eye discipline and everything we do as we teach our young kids as before they even come to us is everything. And so if you can get that correct, um, then you'll be able to play good football. 
this, your defense and a lot of defenses, you know, ask a lot of the free safety position. To you, you know, at this level in the NFL, what are the, the key skills that you have to have that free safety spot? Uh, one is, you know, he has to have some instincts. This player that comes into this particular defense has to have some instincts. You're talking, you go back to the beginning, Jim Johnson was my secondary coach when I played in Arizona. Jim Johnson developed this defensive style, this scheme. You go to Philly and all of a sudden he had Brian Dawkins there. So you're talking guys that have played the free safety position, um, even in New York when I was there, Antrea Rowe played that position for me. Uh, Landon Collins played that position for me. So that position is very key, and some of the things you're going to have to make sure that you're able to do as a free safety in this role is to make sure that you're a guy that can tackle, you're a guy that can play with good discipline, and you have to have some awareness of the pass game instinctively. So, but um, and you look at all those guys. Each one of those guys that I name have all been Pro Bowlers. Have all been, you know, really good football players when they played in this defense. How, how optimistic are you? I, I know Steve Spagnuolo talks a lot about explosive plays. How optimistic are you that this could be shored up in a relatively short-term fashion? Um, I tell you, to answer that question, I, I would say this: when you get the guys focusing on a specific leverage point, you can sure it up real quick. Now, what your mama put in you and my mama put in me is a little different, okay? Meaning that, okay, you probably can out jump me. My vertical is probably six inches. Yours is probably 15 inches. I can't jump anymore. But, 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 but when, when, when it comes to, if you can get the eyes to focus in, the guys, all of them to focus in on keying one thing, because if you chase two rabbits, you're going to miss both of them. But if you can focus in, I use the analogy all the time in golf because I love golf. If you can pick a small target to focus in on, um, your success rate goes way up. Now, your skill set and what you're working on as far as, you know, your change of direction, you got to get some of that done during the week. But if you can get the guy's eyes focused on a particular point, for instance, if I'm playing man-to-man, my eyes are not up towards the head level or the shows, shoulders because they shake all the time. I got to take the eyes down to the hips. And so the hips are going to allow me to find out where that guy's breaking and then at that point burst and accelerate. So I wasn't joking about that jumping thing either. <laughs> <laughs> cannot jump. My right calf hurts. What you're stressing, it sounds like it's really much more a matter of that than an idea of, you know, Miscommunication or, or you know, schemes, is that, is that correct? Abs- absolutely. Again, I stand here before you guys, and I would say when you look at our team and you look at our defenses and what we've been able to do the past two years here, because I've only been here going on my third year, we've had an opportunity to go to the big dance. And doing that, we played pretty good defense, and eye discipline was the key. Are they going to get some yards? Okay. They get, they get paid as well. But when the guys have played with good eye leverage and good depth as a deep defender, we play good defense. And so getting back to that is just a matter of time. And I think it's going to happen this week for sure. Any message for Juan Thornhill, uh, given the injury, where he's sort of been in the mix so far, where you guys may need him as the season goes along? Well, the thing is with Juan, I tell all my guys, you're all the starters. Everybody's a starter, whether you're the backup scout team player or whether you're the starting free of strong safety. Juan plays. Last week, I think he had over 25 snaps. So the message for Juan is stay ready because you never know when you're going to be called. So whenever they call you, you better make sure you're ready. 
it don't try to get ready after the fact. So um, all my guys are ready to go mentally, and um, eye control is going to take care of it. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you. Um, having those reps, um, you know, really when you talk about team sports and, you know, understanding exactly what people are doing, yeah, we can sit in, we can in an air-conditioned room and enjoy the film and being able to execute, you know, mentally, but physically getting out there and being able to do it and moving around and making those calls and being able to execute. So, you know, with him not being out there, we're able to get those guys in there, get those reps, see the way and how, you know, it could eventually come up within a game and then just going out there and executing. That's really, you know, the bottom line of, um, you know, our struggles so far this year is just being able to go out there and execute at a high level. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he gets hurt at, you know, on a Friday, and then you got to put a guy in there that don't really have those reps that somebody else had, and then, you know, you just got to go out there and play. But it's the National Football League. Whenever it's time for you to go, you just got to go out there and play and make it happen. Good. No, go I remember talking to you last year, and you were especially high on, on DeAndre Baker. How much do you think maybe the injury impact, and he's still kind of working his way through that, if, if at all? Um, you know, when you're talking about injuries, I don't care what it is. You know, going and have a arthroscopic surgery, you know, it's going to take some time. And, you know, just to be able to see him come back and, you know, watching him throughout the course of the offseason, he's sending videos showing that he was running, you know, is mind-blowing. Um, and the same thing, you know, with a few other, other our players. But, you know, finally now he's being able to, I think, getting the strength back that he's able because, you know, really you couldn't really put that much weight on it and be able to lift weights, squats, and hang cleans and all those things that Coach Rube have you able to do. Um, I think he's starting to finally get into it. But once again, picking him up late in the season, not really understanding our our system, not really understanding our techniques, um, and going through, you know, the, the regimen that Coach Reed has, a long drive drill, you know, those different types of things, and he still really hasn't had opportunity to do it. But, you know, he, he's learning it, he's picking it up, and, you know, this is these are the guys that we have, and we just got to try to coach these guys up as uh, much as possible and put them in a situation where, where he can be successful. What ways have you seen growth in Snead's game from last year to this, or, or have you seen that? Oh, yeah, Snead, I mean, you know, just a different person. When you look at the NFL now, you know, majority of the time, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, you look at base, two tight ends, two wide receivers, so, you know, you only have two corners on the football field. Now you have to have three corners on the football field pretty much 75, 80% of the game. And, you know, we brought him in, thought he'd be able to corner, got a little injury, moved him, put him at nickel, and then we was like, oh, he can really do this. So, you know, transitioning, going back and forth and have an opportunity to really learn the nickel and master that. You know, I had an opportunity to play with Sertan, who played here. He played nickelback for five years before he even started playing corner. And he mastered that, and then he was able to go outside. So this is something that he's been able to do and um, he's doing a really good job, but the little small details of being able to move from inside back to outside, you know, he really hasn't had the outside part of it, but, you know, his mindset is built for it. You know, you're able to have a smaller, quicker guy in there, but yet and still people still run the ball in those situations. He's able to go in there and make those tackles and be aggressive at it as well. What kind of, what kind of, what are you asking him to do? What, what, is that a, 
difficult thing playing inside playing outside uh, it's a big it's a task because now you have to play 53 and a half you know um and you have to be really good at it but yet and still that's where the the, the top wide receivers are they put them in those position to be able to go and make plays so you know you still have to have that mind covered uh coverage position set in your head and he has that but yet and still you got to have that mindset that i'm a small linebacker and i got to go and make some tackles so you know um, his senior year, having an opportunity to play safety and coming down and making those tackles on bigger backs and tight ends, he was already mentally prepared for it. And then when we moved in there, we thought that we had a, a pretty good player, and then it has shown that he's grown in that position. As part of the, the, the offseason conversation to, to move him to around it this whole year, Legeria still, um, was there a concern that overloading a guy with, with two spots might prevent him from really, really being good at one spot? Um, no, I mean, because he had a lot of reps at, at the nickelback uh, position last year, and then yet and still he has the opportunity to utilize the sideline when he comes back and use it um, when he plays at corner. So, you know, being that last year he got majority of those reps, you know, um, we missed Breland the first four games, and, and then he was playing corner, but when Breland came back, then we – literally put him at the nickelback position and then we was like wow you know this is something really good for our entire defense but you know he's mastered that position he understands it um we're able to make all different types of calls and we're able to rotate him at corner put him back at nickel but he's already mastered that he's understand the different calls and the positions of the field that coach spag will make those calls so you know being able for him to bounce back and forth now it's just the little small details that we really have to sure up um because throughout the course of the day, you know, he's at that nickel position and he's learning those details of how wide receivers are going to attempt to try to attack him. And that's what he's working on versus moving outside. So now, yet still being able to move out there, just got to cover, you know, you get on that island and just do it. What do you tell him about that, uh, that Josh Allen play? It's nighttime. You can't let the ball will float on you. And being at a nighttime position like that, the ball, it'll get lost in the lights. And I think that's what happened to him. Josh Allen run. Oh, the Josh Allen run. You know, with that situation, you know, you got an athletic quarterback and you're trying to, when you have a quarterback on the run, you're really trying to hammer him. And then all of a sudden he jumps over. It's just an athletic quarterback, an athletic play. So, you know, really just keep your head up. And, um, you know, it, it happened multiple times throughout the course of the National Football League just because of guys understanding the quarterback, not really wanting to get those big penalties. But, Josh Allen was trying to make that uh, that first down to try to keep the drive alive. Thank you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You just heard from Steve Spagnolo, Eric Bienemy, Dave Merritt, and Sam Madison. Now you'll hear from Brendan Daly and Andy Heck. Yeah, I mean, we've had some fluctuation in terms of who's available, but uh, I, I have been proud of the guys that have been out there that have uh, adjusted different roles. Guys have stepped up. Um, that's kind of part of the NFL season, you know. Um, unfortunately, that's something you got to navigate every year, and, you know, probably won't be the, the last time we got to deal with some element of, of that. Um, it's just part of life in 17 weeks in, in the postseason of the NFL. Brad, what do you got to do to get Jaron Reed going? You know, honestly, Jay Reed has done a really nice job for us in a number of areas. Um, you know, I, I think he's been really good in terms of communication, in terms of getting some games called in the third down stuff. Uh, he's been steady for us in the run game. Um, I think he does, you know, he would be the one to tell you, I think all of us would tell you, you know, there's a handful of plays that he'd like to improve on and have back. Um, he's worked really hard at it. Uh, I'm, I'm not frustrated in any way there. I think that's headed in a good direction, and I expect that we're going to see really good play from him. How did Frank Clark look at his return last Sunday? What do you, you know, what more expectations are you expecting against, against Washington? You know, I thought he did some good things. Um, again, I, you could see some of the rust. Uh, there's some communication things that we've got to get cleaned up. Uh, I thought he had a couple of productive rushes. Um, again, I, you know, you could you could see that it's been a minute since he's been out there. Um, but uh, his effort was good. I thought his conditioning was good. Um, again, I think we're at a good place. We just need to build and keep improving. Remember, you were right here. I remember you. Sorry. You're just <laughs> masked, make it hard. Sorry. I remember you were high on, on Mike Dana from draft week on. Um, what have you seen this year that's allowed him to take a little bit of a leap and really push for snaps when these guys get, get back? You know, Mike, he's just so steady. He's consistent. He does everything that you ask him to do to the best of his ability, which is at a pretty good level. Um, and he's, he's works his tail off. Uh, I, you know, I just really pleased. He's a fun guy to have around. Um, he's a pleasure to work with. And, and I would see that progression continuing with him. Elaborate a little bit on communication comes up a, a bit this season. What what makes it complicated for guys that have been here? I, what what is it that is coming up that makes that happen? Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, I, you know, there's a number of factors, and I wouldn't say that you can put it all into one specific box, right? Um, uh, certainly, some of the the tempo, some of the movement that the offense gives you creates some issues. Some of the personnel substitution things that offenses do create some stress. Um, some of the formation motions shifts pre-snap create that. Um, I will say playing an arrowhead is a great advantage from a crowd noise standpoint. One of the things we have an issue with defensively is being able to hear each other on home games because of the crowd noise. And particularly from a defensive line standpoint, uh, it's difficult. You've got your hand on the ground. You're focused on what the offense is doing. If there's a check being made behind you, you can't see it. There's no, and you don't necessarily see the, the formation things at times. So you're relying on verbal communication in a lot of instances, which our second level guys do a phenomenal job. Uh, Anthony Hitchens is as good as I've been around in terms of managing the game in that regard. Um, but it's hard, you know, and, and communication is a two way street as well. You know, there's, an element of giving that communication and then you also got to be able to receive it um and so we work a lot at you know trying to anticipate when those calls are going to come up what scenarios are going to trigger this adjustment or that adjustment um 
but it's it's something that you got to work really hard at, and it's not easy, and um, you know it's an ongoing battle. It sounds like it'd be maybe one of the hardest challenges you have. I would say it is. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's not unique to us. I, you know, it's just. Yeah, I would say, listen, offensive football in in the time that I've been in the in the NFL has evolved tremendously, and it has given you a lot more variation, a lot more. Formations, motions, and adjustments that you have to deal with, which magnifies all of that communication. It does. Brendan, uh, Steve has mentioned before, like, we fans make a lot of things about halftime adjustments um, and how it's a lot of times you guys, the assistants, giving, you know, maybe tips or advice or suggestions to Steve. I just wonder how much of a difference was it Sunday when you're in a delay and instead of 12 minutes you have maybe 50 minutes to put something together. Yeah, you know what, I'm glad you asked that because I will say, and I told the group this, um, I was really proud of the way they handled that halftime on Sunday night. Not just the the time situation, um, but when we came in initially, uh, we there was no panic. You know, we obviously didn't play very well in that first half and, and there were a lot of pissed off people walking in that locker room about what had just gone on. Nobody panicked. There was no argument. Guys were locked in. We made a couple of quick corrections and adjustments. I would say that all of that got done in the normal time frame that halftime would be. The extended portion of it didn't necessarily play into the, to some of those things, but I was proud of the way they handled it. Then when it did become a little bit of a longer situation, I thought we used the time productively. You know, we, we went down, we got the surface, we looked at some of the more nuanced things that you don't have time to, to talk about in a normal halftime. I don't know that those were revolutionary in terms of how we played in that second half, but I just thought there was a really good process there. And it's a credit to the guys. It's a credit to their mental toughness. It's a credit to the leadership that we've got. Um, and I think that'll serve us well moving forward. Reffing the passer penalty on Frank Clark, is there any teaching moment that you can take from that, or is that simply a, a whim of the officials moment? You know, I, it's, here's what I've said, okay? In this league, there is, they're, they're going to protect the quarterbacks, okay? And we've coached through all – I can't even begin to tell you how much time we've spent looking at, okay, here's what they're calling, here's why they're calling, and all those type of things. At the end of the day – it doesn't matter what we think about those rules or, or how they're officiating it. we got to figure out how to do business as business is being done. And they're calling it extremely tight. we got to be able to adapt and adjust to it. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't just, you know, that Frank's play on uh, Sunday is one example. We had another one previous week against Philadelphia that, you know, tight call, I would argue. Listen, it doesn't matter what I think. It's a matter of what the official thinks, and we got to figure out how to adjust and do business as business is being done, or we're going to continue to have those self-inflicted wounds. So, it is what it is. You know, we got to coach through it, we got to play through it, we got to adapt. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, and it uh, sounded like you guys had some O-line questions, or what have you got? allowed him to just step in as a rookie and just play so spectacularly. Yeah, uh, Cree's done a great job. And I think probably one of the best things, besides being big, strong, physically talented guy, is he's very smart. He's a smart football player. He's a smart person. And he's got a high football IQ. And so he's able to really take in a lot of information 
and he, he's got it on the first shot. Um, he's got good vision. Uh, you know, as you're learning different coverages and different disguises and things like that, he's able to, you know, take something you're describing to him, uh, picture it in his head, and then recognize it when he sees it on film. As opposed to, you know, many of us might need to have that described, see it on tape, see it and then walk through, miss it once in practice, and then uh, he gets it right away. And that really helps him play fast and strong quicker. In your experience, is that a little, like, freakish in a sense? Like that, that he can do that. And you, have, have you ever seen that type of thing before? Sure, there's people, you know, you take a guy like uh, Mitch Schwartz, uh, a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, I've, I've been around some players, but, you know, it's, it's few and far between, uh, and it's definitely an A-plus strength of Creed's. Andy, um, obviously you like Creed because you got drafted in the second round, but is there any part of this game that maybe has been a surprise to you guys uh, through five games? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, like everybody, uh, on the team in our room, uh, he's got stuff he's working on. Um, you know, playing with lower pad level things like that. Uh, he's done a really nice job, and, he, and he's also, I guess, if there's a pleasant surprise because you know I'm just getting to know him really uh, early early in his career here. Is I like the way he works, and that's something you know you know secondhand from hearing from trusted sources and things like that, observing. You know, but you really don't know until you're around him working on a daily basis. And he's always uh, where he's got a great work ethic. How do you see that? What, what leads you to say that? Um, if we make a coaching point, for example, uh, hey, this has got to get done, I'll see him get that done or work on getting that done. Uh, and the other thing is, and this is important, especially at the center position, that you know, you've got that alpha mentality. Uh, I'm not just taking a backseat. I'm the rookie awaiting my turn to be a leader. Uh, he views himself as a leader, um, acts accordingly. Um, you know, in, in a way you'd see a seasoned vet uh, act, in a good way. And uh, that really serves him well at that position too. How did the, how did the conversations go with Joe on the sideline after he fractured his hand? Um, and what does it say about him that he played the rest of the game? Right. Um, there wasn't a lot of conversation uh, about it. I was made aware uh, and that, you know, he'd be getting x-rays at halftime. And, uh, you know, we'd see if he could go. And I asked him, how are you doing? And he said, I'll be good. I'll give it a go. And I said, great. We'll keep an eye on you. And that was that. Um, so he, he did a really nice job pushing through that. I'm sure it was very painful uh, and played well. Um, I'm sorry, your other question? Well, just um, uh, managing it going forward. And um, you know, I know he's practice this week. And it seems like a guy that would want to play. Right. Uh, yeah, and I'm not, I haven't talked with Rick uh, today, um, but th it's something that'll need to be managed. Um, and so Rick and those guys are working on that. Coach, you've got three rookies on the offensive line. What's been your evaluation so far of Lucas Nang at right tackle? Yep, uh, Lucas has come a long way in a, in a short amount of time. Um, he, he works hard. He's another guy that, hey, when we talk about uh, things that we want to see start showing up, he's working on it. Um, I think he's a very talented player. I love the way a guy uh, uses his hands. That's something that's hard to teach. If a guy's either going to use him or he's not, he's got a natural punch. Um, you know, and he's a big, firm uh, pass protector. So I, I like the, I like Lucas a lot. In pass protection with both the tackles, Patrick talked a lot you know, back at training camp even about how 
uh, you had to kind of learn to work with those guys because they're different than having you know Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz here. What are you seeing in terms of the communication in, in the pocket there with Mahomes learning uh, the the depth that the tackles are taking, how those guys are different than the people who've been here in years past? Um. I don't really know if I have an answer uh, to that question other than we teach our tackles and, and uh, our centers and guards, the tackles are responsible for the width of that pocket. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we want to be aggressive about where we go make a stand. And so that'd be the same. Any tackle that comes through these doors, that's what we're teaching them. Uh, you're responsible for the width of the pocket. Uh, now, everybody's a little bit different. I'm not sure of the communication that goes on. But, you know, we can all picture that. Uh, pocket that horseshoe. That's what we're, that's what we're aiming for, so that our quarterback can sit back there and bake a cake and carve them up. Couple more, or not? Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.